This is Startup to Shutdown, the podcast with Rhett and Paul, and we're on a journey to meet the aviators behind the stories, adventure together through the vast, exciting world of aviation, and to inspire and learn from one another as we fly. Good day, listeners, and welcome to the very first episode of the Startup to Shutdown podcast. My name's Rhett Shalor, and that voice you've just heard on the flawless introduction was my co-host, Paul Henning. Hi there, Rhett. Yes, how's it going? Good, mate. So happy to have you here. So happy to be starting finally. Yeah, very good to be here. I'm excited about it and uh, looking forward to uh, what we have. Yeah, for sure. Let's jump right in. So for the first episode, uh, Paul and I thought we would just take the time to introduce ourselves and who we are. Um, and while we were brainstorming a couple of weeks back, uh, he came up with a very, very, well, I think very important question. Yeah, um, that was really what makes us unique. Uh, what is going to differentiate us from other podcasts, aviation in particular? So, um, yeah, one thing we came up with, with was uh, definitely that we are both passionate Africans. Uh, so hopefully we'll give a unique perspective from a South African point of view. Definitely. And another point on that is uh, the conservation, which, of course, you have a uh, a bit of history in, and I'm, I'm quite excited to explore that that avenue as well. And another thing where we are quite unique is the two perspectives that I think we both offer, uh, whereas you obviously have uh, quite an extensive and impressive story and history. Um, I still bring the, you know, the younger... You're the youngster with the energy and the charisma. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm the old guy, hey? Yeah, the young perspective. So, yeah, on that note, another thing that uh, I thought we could bring in is the audience. And uh, this, you know, you, you've started this one yourself, Paul, which is uh, a little game we can play with the audience of guess Paul's age. <laughs> yeah, we're going to chat to a guy called what do you think? Terrence at some stage. And uh, <laughs> Terrence Kiwi's favorite game always was, uh, how old is Paul? So, yeah, we can, we can do that. I'm sure it will come up as we're chatting, uh, but uh, let's have some audience participation there. <laughs> Fantastic. So we'll put something on the show notes there for, for people to guess. And uh, okay, so what we're going to cover in this podcast is, of course, Paul and my stories, uh, some advice for students, and uh, look at the perspective from a parent in the airline industry. Of course, Paul will shed some light on that. Uh, we'll cover some themes and discussion topics that we plan to explore throughout the podcast, some rapid-fire questions, and a whole lot more. Yeah, so what we're going to look at as well is uh, just a couple of adventures that we've had uh, during our flying career. And that's the fun part of flying, which we are really looking at highlighting. Uh, between Rhett and I, we have a, a quite an extensive network of people that we'd like to interview across the board in aviation. And one of our goals is really just to uh, cover a broad diversity of the aviation industry. So... Um, anyone who has some suggestions, we are welcoming a lot of feedback from you guys. Yeah, most definitely. Thanks, Paul. And um, before we babble on any further, I think let's just kick it off. And uh, do you want to get going with your story for us? Yeah, from my side, Rhett, a background. Um, I think I have a, a bit of an interesting background coming from uh, different industries, having only joined aviation when I was 35 years old. And uh, although it uh, certainly was a passion of mine from the time I was probably in primary school, uh, I didn't have the opportunity to get into aviation as soon as I maybe would have liked to. Uh, but these things all happen for a reason, and I've had quite a colorful career as a result. Uh, when I left school, I, I studied conservation, 
conservation took me into the media industry, wildlife, uh, film and TV in particular, which did diversify into a bit of uh, documentary as well as just wildlife. So that was a really cool career. It was uh, took me all over the globe. I saw a lot. I experienced a lot. I met a lot of people and did some very interesting interviews along the way. Um, and even there, sort of touch base with aviation every now and then in some of the documentaries that I did, uh, which kept the passion for aviation alive. So, yeah, I had a friend and, and a brother-in-law who are both pilots. And when I turned 34, they both said to me, listen, Paul, if you're that keen on getting into aviation, it's about time you do it. Otherwise, it's going to be too late. So I took the bull by the horns, um, threw the career in in TV and film, and moved to George, where I started uh, my PPL. And within a year, I'd done PPL, commercial pilot's license, and my instructors. And that's where Rhett and I met. Uh, Rhett was fresh out of matric. So very different background. I think still trying to find his feet and wondering what he was going to do with himself. And the pilot's license was something that he was keen on. But uh, Rhett, you can share a bit more about that from your side. Um, so as for my, my origin, my story, um, like you said, uh, Paul and I met in George. Um, at the time, I was still in school, actually, uh, when I started the PPL. And it was actually my folks or my mom who allowed me or gave me a foot in the door into the aviation. Um, so it has been part of our family. Uh, it was her grandfather, or her, her father rather, my grandfather, who, who sparked a passion and love for aviation. And then my mom, obviously, like I said, passed it down on to me. Um, at the time, I was very young, and it was an incredible opportunity. But again, I just didn't really have the direction in, in terms of what I wanted to do with my life just yet, or, or where I wanted to go, or where I wanted aviation to take me. And to be honest with you, Paul, I was a little bit scared of the airline um, route. You know, I didn't want to get locked in there. And, and I was always afraid of aviation becoming just another job. Um, and, and that's something I really didn't want it to ever be. I always wanted it to be, like I've said before, about the passion and the adventure um, and the journey. So, so in the back of my mind, I've always sort of had the idea of, of trying to find something else that could work alongside the aviation. Uh, something that could sustain me, you know, beyond that 65 years where you get grounded and and um, and just something to carry on besides that. So I did end up going and studying after school, took a bit of a sabbatical from the flying. And, um, yeah, I just tried to find my feet for many years and eventually decided to just chase the dream and, and like I said, follow the adventure. And that's, uh, that's where my aviation journey really began uh, with my first job uh, in Australia working the docks for a little float company there and um, yeah, paying my dues in a lot of respects. But um, after that, I came back to South Africa and did a bit of instructing. I did two years of instructing there and just recently secured a job, the real dream job, which was uh, flying for Transmaldivian Airways um, in the Maldives, of course, shortly before Corona came and turned the whole world upside down. And that's sort of where the whole startup to shut down the journey begins in essence, in this podcast. And I'm just really excited to see where it goes. And thanks again, Paul, for jumping on board here. I'm, I'm really happy to have you on and really excited to see see what comes of this. Yeah, I know me as well. I'm, I'm also very excited. And I think one thing we have in common is that we haven't followed the 
a stereotypical path in aviation. Um, neither of us are the kind of pilot that uh, recommends every pilot gets to airline as quickly as possible and in the shortest route possible. And I think I was in a charter for uh, nine years, despite having got into aviation only at 35 years old, you'd think, okay, to get into airline as quickly as possible was the, the best route. But really, to be honest, uh, I was in charge for nine years. It was a choice. Uh, I could have gone into airline uh, a little bit earlier. I did have the opportunity, but I decided the experience in charge was just too rich to move on quickly. And uh, you'll find that uh, as Rhett and I go on with the, with the podcast, both of us have enjoyed our journeys. And we, we really recommend that youngsters in particular don't rush the process. And there's, uh, you know, there's adventures in every step of aviation. There's something to be learned in every sector of aviation. And we hope to cover uh, quite a broad diversity of those sectors, um, having been exposed to so many ourselves. Just out of interest, Rick, what did you study? I did a finance degree, so BCom in financial management. Um, and that, again, came through the folks, you know, my dad's in the finance game. So I sort of had an idea of, of what that might bring about in the future or later down the road. But again, I had a few pivotal moments of trying to decide what to do with my life. And one was after school. And the second big one was after <laughs> completing my studies, you know, because I did have that pull, that desire to be in aviation. And uh, finally, that did get the better of me. Uh, fortunately, I should probably say, because it has, it's been an incredible journey. And um, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't change any, any bit of it, you know. As, as you say that, I think for uh, any aspiring pilots out there, aviation is one of those things that uh, grips you, uh, doesn't let go. And my encouragement to anyone out there thinking, uh, should I fly or shouldn't I, is to do it. Uh, despite what your background may have been and where you've come from, I think it's really cool to have uh, a diversity of backgrounds coming into aviation and, and offering uh, different perspectives in aviation. Absolutely, Paul. And on that too, I think it can be, we can both testify to the fact that it's, it can be very daunting undertaking, you know, aviation as a career or, or even just for fun. It's, it's a long process and, and the rewards are, like we heard the other day, delayed in a lot of ways. So what we do hope to provide here again for the listeners is a bit of motivation and insight into that journey and that road and, and what you can expect along the way and how to, you know, tackle the challenges along the way. And another thing I'm really excited to listen from other aviators who have obviously lived longer careers and have those stories to share and, and insights to share with us, um, you know, close calls that they've encountered and, and just challenges that they faced along the way. And, and sharing that with the listeners, I think, is going to be very rewarding for all of us. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously you said that COVID and being at home and uh, lockdown is, is something that inspired you to start this off. Uh, but where did the idea come from? And, and what is your, your, your vision for Startup to Shutdown? Yeah, so I wouldn't say the COVID was the inspiration behind the idea. It was more the inspiration behind taking action. Um, it sort of forced me into that position of, okay, well, now what are you going to do? You know, you don't have a job for the foreseeable future, at least. Um, and I'm fortunate in a lot of ways that, um, like I said earlier, I did always have the mindset of looking for something else to branch off into and sort of do alongside, you know, just being a pilot. And in a sense, I was, you know, I had been processing that for a few years already. And uh, when COVID did, you know, 
come and throw a huge spanner in the works of all our dreams and aspirations and plans, um, I decided to take action and, and really just delve into the one thing that I, I actually knew or, or had a bit of history in, which is aviation and, and my story uh, within that realm. Um, so what I started off with was, you know, taking a step into what I thought would be the most beneficial for me in terms of upskilling and, and learning new things. And that was, you know, the internet. And I thought I must learn how to build, build a website I've been wanting to for a while. And I, and I got into that and hit the ground running straight away. And someone said to me, you know, you need to build an email list. And I thought, how can I do that? And I decided to write this ebook, which you can get for yourselves there. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. It's obviously startup to shutdown.com. Uh, basically just a book of, of how, you know, youngsters can, can tackle these, these challenges um, specifically in the early stages of, of being a student pilot and beyond. So the motivation behind it was to give a bit of hope in this time of, you know, dark clouds above where everything's gloom and doom and, uh, and yeah, I'll just spread some positivity and, and insights where I can. Yeah, Rhett, um, Rhett came to me a couple of months ago for some advice as to where to go after his instruction. Uh, I think he had itchy feet and was wondering what direction he should take. And the status quo would have been to tell him, yeah, you've got a gap into the airline. There's opportunity, there's movement at the moment, there's openings in airlines, so go for it. Uh, but to be honest, that wasn't my advice to him. Um, my I advice can't thank was, you enough for that. <laughs> so it was, it was uh, certainly not um, turning down that opportunity, but also asking yourself very carefully what you want uh, from the future. And once you're in airline, you're going to be in airline probably till the day that you uh, retire. And uh, is there anything else you want to see or do before that? And Rhett being as young as he is um, and as energetic and charismatic as he is, I was ecstatic to see the photographs of these beautiful blue waters and float planes and, and just having a jaw in the Maldives in a, in a twin otter. It was a twin otter? Yes, yeah, correct, yeah. Very cool and so exciting to be a part of this. And uh, I think what I'm saying is startup to shut down already before I even knew it was you, uh, was serving the purpose that you started it for. And that was just to motivate, inspire, um, keep us all yearning for the days when we can get back into the sky. So I hope that uh, the podcast does the same for guys out there. And uh, also, yeah, serves as an education and hopefully we can learn from others' close calls. I think in aviation, uh, there's a lot of talk around our flying. Um, you'll know when you get a bunch of pilots in a room and most of the rest of the guys leave because uh, the hangar doors don't close for the rest of the night. And, uh, but really, we can just learn a lot from each other just in those chats with one another. And that's what we hope to achieve on Startup to Shutdown podcast as well. That's exactly it, Paul. Uh, you know, you speak to keeping the motivation and the inspiration going, and we will come out of this ditch. It's it's a big ditch, um, but you know, the, the things will recover and we'll get back to normal eventually. And specifically for a student pilot at this stage, you know, it's a long journey to get to the stage where you will one day have the job of your dreams. And you know, just because things are looking gloomy at the moment, it doesn't mean you should put a break on on chasing those dreams. If anything, this is the perfect time to be to be going after what you, what you really want and, you know, putting in the, putting in the hours, putting in the time and putting in the hard work. Um, so yeah, if anything, I see this as, as a huge opportunity. Rick, for the, for the sake of uh, show number one, 
if I ask you your most memorable adventure in your short career in aviation so far, something come to mind? Just yeah, a few. <laughs> um, I'd have to say I'll go with the one I did a, when I was instructing in Joburg. I ended up getting in touch with this guy, David Fundespey, who started up a company where he offered adventure safaris or aero safaris. And basically what it is, is setting everything up here in South Africa or Southern Africa for a foreign pilot that wants to come and experience a bit of adventure tourism, particularly in aviation here in Southern Africa. So what we did was organize an aircraft. Once we had obviously the, the, the family that wanted to partake and offer them a tour literally through Southern Africa. And uh, the one trip we did was up to up through Botswana and Zimbabwe. And it was about a 10 day trip. And we went to Victoria Falls with all the national parks, the Okavango Delta, uh, Limpopo Valley. And it was just an absolutely incredible thing. Uh, the fact that I was an instructor at the time allowed, allowed the, the guests that we had to get a bit of stick time, which is really all they wanted, you know, to do all that low, slow flying um, over Southern Africa, over the rivers and, and waterfalls. And it was just a spectacular 10-day trip. I uh, really opened my eyes to, to a lot of things, uh, particularly Southern Africa aviation. You know, you, you show up in an airfield and all the things you sort of take for granted uh, back home all of a sudden isn't available. You know, there's, there's no one to help you with gas. There's no one to even take your landing fees. Uh, so that was a big eye-opener um, in a lot of ways, but yeah, definitely one of the more memorable ones. Yeah, your your trip definitely reminds me of one of my most memorable as well, and that uh, was taking a, a 208 Cessna caravan yeah. um, around yeah. Namibia with a bunch of photographers. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, they had um, organized their own trip. Obviously, we were just flying what they had requested us to fly. Yeah. But it was uh, from Vintuk, we went down to the uh, Fish River Canyon, oh, uh, did awesome scenics through the Fisher of a Canyon. Uh, there's a runway right on the edge of the Canyon that you kind of yeah. come over the Canyon, land on the runway over oh, the Canyon. Little um, cliff, cliff drop off at the end of the runway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like Watson John sort uh, of, so you get a bit of uh, rubbish air as you come in yeah. on short finals. Which is exciting. exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I mean, the, the one thing is Namibia is so well equipped for that kind of flying. Uh, their, their strips are all uh, gravel strips, but so well manicured. I mean, mm -hmm. the funny story is, we, we were asking a guy about a airstrip called Etendeka and uh, what it looked like in the state of it. And he came back and he said, yeah, listen, there's a little bit of grass growing through it. Just be careful. It hasn't been used for a long time. And we got to it and we flew over it and it looked perfect. It looked pristine compared to some of the bush trips we were flying to in the low felt in South Africa and um, up north in Limpopo province. So we came around, did a precautionary and, and had a good look at it and uh, didn't seem to have any holes or uh, any vegetation in it. So we yes. came around and landed and it was literally nothing short of a, a, a prepared strip. But in Namibia, that's what yeah. they're used to. Um, so although it's bush flying, they've looked after their airstrip so, so well and it's just beautiful and it's, it's relatively safe. Mm. Um, from Fish River Canyon, we went um, down to... Uh, Luderitz um, and obviously being with the photographic group and my background being in photography uh, I just joined them for a lot of their photographic yeah. uh, excursions which was exciting so I think 
Uh, that's the other fun, thing is your aviation opens up other experiences. It's not just about being in the air. I mean, although we get this, get this bird's eye view of the earth and that's the unique thing is we just get a different perspective on the world to, to most people out there and it's, it's awesome Definitely. to be up there. It's the, the travel, exposure. The wanderlust. Yeah. Exactly. Exposure where it takes you to. Definitely. And back to what you were saying about Namibia, why do you think their, their runways are so manicured? Do you think it's just it's such an essential service or what so well used by all the, the farmers out there? Or? Because yeah, I'll tell look, you- I think not just the farmers, but tourism. Uh, Namibia is a, a vast expanse. It's a, yeah. it's a huge country. And there are beautiful um, places to visit from right down in the South Fisher River Canyon up to the north, uh, Itasha. And to drive that from one end to the other will take two to three weeks if you want to do it properly. And so there's a lot of outfits uh, there that, that are doing aerial safaris, getting people from one uh, hotspot one to another camps, in Namibia. Yeah. And uh, that's why it is in their best interest to, uh, to keep the strips well manicured, well looked after, uh, because it's, it's, it drives their tourism industry as well. I'll tell you, I was asking just because back to the story or the, the trip that I was doing up to Zimbabwe, uh, the second strip we landed on, it was on Lake Kariba. And uh, we were in a, a, a Cirrus, so the low wing, low profile sort of aircraft, you know, got the fairings on the wheels and everything. So not exactly an aircraft you want to take into a dirt strip, but it handles it, it, handles it well enough. Um, but on this particular strip, we landed and it, it seemed pretty rough. And when we got off the plane, the rocks on the runway were the size of golf balls. So <laughs> when we took off there, we, we got out of there two or three days later and uh, landed up in Vic Falls and noticed on the horizontal stabilizer, literally a golf ball-sized rock had hit the leading edge. And it was, it had like, it, it was quite a shock. So you can just imagine, for me, well, all that was going through my mind was the expense of those owner's aircraft. Obviously, there was insurance, yeah, yeah. insurance in place. But, but was, it, was it an aircraft that you guys were hiring and flying? Yeah, so, so I'd got in touch because I was obviously working at Cirrus at the time. So, so I'd, I'd found a, a guy who, you know, it was beneficial to both of us because it was just sitting in the hangar for him. Um, so he got a good rental rate out of it at the end of the day. Um, but needless to say, after this trip, he said, yeah, Rhett, uh, I'm happy to let you uh, rent it up, but no more dirt strips. <laughs> <laughs> and Which is fair, fair enough, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, yeah, we've also landed at some strips before where we've uh, realized after landing that perhaps it wasn't the best strip to land on. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very difficult uh, to do that uh, risk assessment uh, beforehand. You know, apart from driving out there um, and literally doing an assessment on the ground, um, obviously these days uh, with cameras um, on your phone, it's very easy to ask someone to, to do a bit of an assessment for you and send mm-hmm. those photographs, but there's nothing like actually being at the strips. So Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we, we'll chat about uh, that sort of thing as well on the podcast. Uh, we'll get into safety. Um, but most of all, we want this to be a fun uh, experience for everybody out there and uh, that we can you know, just make this a, a memorable journey for you in itself. Yeah, sure it will be. Yeah, you know, I think we we're gonna uh, we're gonna unravel a lot of lot of interesting topics uh, and uh, interview a lot of interesting people. But back to the African scene, you know, there's there's not really anything like this where the stories out of Africa are being shared. And I think there are just so many gems and characters uh, that we that we you know are going to bring on. And I think that's that's something that 
a bit of something unique we can bring to the table there. And I'm really looking forward to, to delving into it a little bit deeper. And every guy's story is his own story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For those um, students out there, for those aspiring uh, teenagers who are keen to fly one day, um, anything that you would have wanted somebody to tell you about aviation before you got into aviation? Uh, yeah, definitely, Paul. Uh, it, it just brings me back to the conversation we had almost 10 years ago, you know, where you were telling me to focus on what it is you want out of it. And after going through the journey, you know, especially the initial stages, um, I think it's very important, like you said earlier again, is to enjoy where you are and enjoy each step of the road. There's no point in, in rushing things and, uh, you know, following, following the crowd where you sort of get into a, a whirlwind or whirlpool of, of just losing yourself and losing your direction and just following everyone else and trying to be or trying to get to the next stage of your career and following the bucks, you know, following the money or, or doing it for the wrong reason. So uh, another important thing that I found in aviation is how important your attitude towards, you know, every day is and every flight and everything you do is because, uh, you know, that is reflected um, ultimately in, in your success of achieving those goals. Uh, you know, people see that and really appreciate someone who goes the extra mile and, and you know, puts in the effort. Uh, because it's going to take a hell of a lot of effort to to get to where you want to go, particularly in, in this field. Um, so, yeah, just to highlight the first thing we discussed there is, is the passion and, and the direction. You've got to know where you, want to go, where you want to go, and you've got to really just make sure you enjoy it all the way. I think that's great what you've just said. Um, I know instructors who have made instruction their career. They've never left it. It's, uh, it's been something they've stuck to. And when you do something, do it properly. They're specialists in the environment. Uh, they love what they're doing. Uh, the students are responsive to them because they are um, passionate about what they're doing. It's not just a job. It's not just a stepping stone. They are instructors, career instructors. And I have so much respect uh, for guys who stick to the sector that they know and love. I think also another thing that you can maybe shed some light on here is is the challenges and, and pros or pros and cons of, of being a father, you know, in, in the industry, being a parent and a family man and how you've dealt with those things. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, definitely a consideration. Uh, I think even for people who aren't yet in aviation, thinking about getting into it is what kind of family life does it offer? Uh, traditionally, an airline pilot was known to be away uh, for long stints at a time because of long haul. That's a thing of the past. Yes, long haul pilots uh, are away for probably, depending on the airline, they fly for uh, 50% of their working career, um, say 15 days in, in a 30-day cycle. Mm. But uh, a regional pilot um, flying domestic routes only at home every night, maybe uh, doing four or five night stops maximum a, uh, mm. a month. But something that uh, family men must remember is that as much as they may be away, when they are not flying and they are at home, they're properly at home. Mm. Most career men are up at five in the morning to beat the traffic. They're working an eight, nine, ten-hour day, and they're back seven o'clock at night after their kids have gone back to sleep. They're only seeing their kids on the weekend. 
Uh, we work strange hours. We may sign on at four o'clock, but we're done by 10, 11 in the morning. Uh, or maybe we sign on at three o'clock in the afternoon, but we're at home for the entire morning. Uh, mm. And that's valuable time that we get to spend with our kids in daylight hours. Uh, sure. So from a personal perspective, um, I spend very valuable time with my kids. That's good um, to hear. Yeah. Having said that, uh, yeah. I was in charter for yeah. nine years, like I said, and uh, there were times where I was away for a month at a time. Mm. And I know, especially contract pilots, mm. uh, some of them are away for six weeks, eight weeks at a time. And um, I think this is a, a warning to some youngsters getting into contract flying is not to paint yourself into a corner. The money is really good in contract. It becomes very attractive. But if you up your lifestyle to a place where you are spending that kind of money, it's very difficult to switch from that contract environment into an airline environment where you're going to have to make a massive adjustment. Mm. Take a step down in a lot of ways. That's right. So my advice to youngsters is, yes, go do contract. It's exciting. It's adventurous. It's an incredible teaching ground for pilots. But when you're earning the big bucks, put that money aside, Mm. put it in the savings. uh, Show a bit of financial maturity. That's it, and live yeah. on on uh, live on less. Yeah. And I always said that um, I probably wouldn't go airline. But having said that, I spoke earlier about practicalities as well as the fun, the, the adventure in aviation. The practicalities are: I'm a father now, uh, and a husband, and my entire focus has shifted. I've got responsibilities, and it's exciting in a different way. But airline suits me better now, and that's why I'm uh, more than happy to be following that airline route. I had my excitement, my adventure in charter, but airline offers something different now. Yeah, and that's so good to hear, eh, Paul, because for me, that was one of the bigger sort of uh, barriers that I was facing was, you know, because I, I did live in that paradigm of, you know, airline pilots and you're away half the time, your quality of life is terrible, but but like you've just said, there's so much diversity within that sector, within that field. Um, so it's really good to hear, hear that perspective from you. Rick, yeah. do you want to um, just give an idea out uh, to the, the listeners out there uh, what kind of uh, themes and discussions you've got in mind for the podcast okay. going forward? Yeah, so just uh, reading off the list here, you know, we've we've already – just between the two of us got over 50 guests to speak of ranging from all different sectors and, and characteristics. So just a quick breakdown of fixed wing. We run from instruction through charter, bush pilots, EMS, conservation, the corporate gigs. Of, of course, we've got airlines, uh, some guys who do aerobatics for, for a living, you know, air races and things like that. Uh, the military is a big one, firefighting, survey flying. And then that does, of course, fall down into the helicopters Um, again they do have some additional security uh, and firefighting which will be which will be really exciting to dig into and then other sectors in within aviation you know we've got the maintenance uh, department we've got guys in the tower air traffic control uh, uav or unmanned uh, vehicles the guys are flying the drones and they're just some influences within the fields Uh, you know guys have written really really good gripping books and, and just um, 
and been keeping us all really excited on social media. Um, so I'm looking forward to to getting involved there. And and what we hope to cover uh, throughout these interviews are, are, you know, like we've already discussed, the close calls and the lessons learned through those close calls. Uh, adventures is a big one for us. Uh, the safety aspect again, Paul, I know you've got a, a bit of history in, in safety there, so it'll be good to dig into that a little bit more. Um, innovation, the living legends, Wonder Woman within the field, uh, back to school, so where we're planning on on breaking down a few of the subject matter there. Uh, and again, that'll come from your feedback of, of what you want to hear and what you want to learn and what you hope to get out of this. Uh, young Guns, we, we've got a guy who's lined up to go do a younger solo around the world uh, next year. So that'll be an exciting one. Shooting pilots and our builders. So interesting stories there, you know, again, that adventure comes into to how, how exciting it is for a student pilot to be doing his first solo cross country nav, you know, and uh, there's so much, so much we've got going in. Yeah. Paul and I were, were discussing this the other day and the list goes on, you know, so I'm really excited to, to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rhett had a great idea. A couple of rapid fire questions um, for pilots uh, that uh, we can just quickly establish who they are and what they're about and their background in aviation. Um, So, Rhett, you got any of those rapid fire questions for me? I do, Paul. Um, So let's start off with, okay, Paul, rapid fire question number one. Why aviation for you? What's uh, what's the reason behind on the aviation? Where did that passion and that love for it come, and and how did it all start? Believe it or not, in standard four, uh, it started with those trump cards uh, where you trump each other with a better aircraft than the next guy had. Oh, yeah, and uh, I remember when those. we actually just you start learning those cards, and then I lived on the left base for runway one nine at Waterkloof Air Base. Okay, and uh, all the military birds you saw. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so C-130s, C-160s, uh, Buccaneers, Canberras, Mirage 3s, Mirage F-1s. It was back in the day where the Air Force was yeah. uh, operating at full steam. Yeah, That's it. And uh, obviously seeing these guys come lower level over our house uh, was something that really inspired me. So oh, it's enough to grip your attention eh, as a youngster, especially. It, but it never left me. And then uh, my dad, I, I didn't ever fly in an airplane until I was 16 years old. Um, and my dad had a student who, um, she was doing her PPL and she had a 182 and she took the family to Sun City for the day. And just looking out of the window at the earth uh, from that perspective and, and trying to identify certain landmarks and where we were and find my way uh, after that flight, I was sold. Hooked. Uh, yeah, a lot of people say when the bug bites, it bites properly. And uh, it sounds yep, like it got absolutely. you real good there. And back on to, you were talking about yeah. trump cards there. We all remember those. Uh, but it brings me to the next question of, of what would you say is your favorite aircraft uh, of all time and then your favorite aircraft that you've flown? That is a really difficult question to answer. Um, I heard a really good explanation once that my favorite aircraft is whatever I'm flying at the time. Yeah, that's a good one. And I really like that. It's not a cop-out, um, yeah. but for the sake of answering your question, I think uh, my favorite aircraft that I have flown is 
probably the 208, the caravan. Really? Yeah. Just because of the adventures it offered. Uh, yeah. You know, Terence and I um, ferried it all the way back from the States. I can't Atlantic. wait to hear that story. And uh, we'll, do, we'll do a story on that one yes, for sure. Um, and then just the, the, like I described the Namibia trip earlier, um, it offered some really good adventures. Yeah. And I think that's why it was my favorite aircraft. Um, but right now what I'm flying is the Jet Stream 41, which I absolutely love. Uh, I, I enjoy the, the, the twin turbine. Uh, I enjoy the kind of flying we're doing in it. It's a busy cockpit. Uh, there's a lot of uh, additions and modifications to the Airlink uh, jet streams, um, which has made it a little bit more complex. So, uh, wonderful aircraft. They say anyone who's flown a jet stream will say it lands like a shopping trolley, and they're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, it's not the not the easiest not the, aircraft. In not the, the car- land. caravan's landing gear. <laughs> you you don't go away after a bad landing in the jet stream and. Uh, regret your landing for the next five days it's just one of those things and when you get a good landing then you really pat yourself you know on you the nailed back. it yeah yeah it's uh that's rewarding just a, a really lucky airplane to fly um but yeah and then my all-time favorite good grief uh you know what I, I think i have an answer it's a military aircraft yeah and um it was based on an experience of uh witnessing it for myself at the probably the first AAD that they ever had at Waterproof Air Base. And that's uh, the the F-16. Okay. Um, The F-16 Falcon, I was just uh, blown away by the maneuverability, by the power, and really just the fact that it's an old aircraft. Mm. It was way ahead of its time. Uh, in what it uh, can achieve. And so I think, yeah, probably the F-16. Yeah, cool. Good answer. And then last one, favorite, yeah. favorite book, uh, aviation-related book that you've, you've picked up? You know, it's not even directly aviation-related, but it's written by a, a very passionate pilot who has a collection of aircraft himself. Yeah. And his books are all related to flying not necessarily aviation, but flying in some way. Okay. A lot of you out there will know Richard Bach. Okay. And Richard Bach's first book was uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Yes. And Jonathan Livingston Seagull is really all about perfecting the art of flight. Um, and yeah. the lessons we have to learn, the fact that we will never, ever stop learning in aviation, the fact that we don't follow the mainstream that we you know we are um, free to go and find our own journey our own expression and story in aviation that's a great one so interesting one on that is it's uh, when i did finally get my license that's the book my mom gave me i've still got it in the on the shelf there and then just last week my old man uh, he said he's been trying to find this book for years Gave me another one of Richard Bach's book. I don't know if you know it. It's called Illusions. So I've got Illusions as well. So I've just started reading that. And on the back of the cover, it's, it's dated back. It's my dad's name, dated back to 1984. So he's had this book oh, since wow. like the, the cover is coming apart. But it's, it's so cool to be reading it. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. 
Oh, great, Paul. Thanks uh, thanks for those answers there. And uh, for the listeners, there will be a few more of those. And if you've got any suggestions, please let us know. Uh, I think this is a good point to wrap the show up or the first episode, yeah? And uh, Paul, would you like to give us a little closing? Yeah, thanks, Rhett. Uh, I think I'm very excited. I think as long as you and I keep up our energy and our enthusiasm, uh, it will be something that's exciting for everyone else out there to join us in. We look forward to the feedback. Uh, we look forward to a diverse audience and uh, we look forward to episode two any idea as to who that episode two is going to be no not at all not yet Uh, it's a mystery (laughs) i I think it's a it's a mystery we've got so many people to to interview so uh, exciting about that cool thanks for listening everybody and uh yeah thanks for your time paul looking forward to the next one pleasure my pleasure. We'll chat to you soon, Rhett. Cheers. Cool. Cheers, mate. You've been listening to Startup to Shutdown, the podcast with Rhett and Paul. To listen to more episodes or to subscribe, go to iTunes, IONFM, or Google Podcasts. Keep the blue side up and stay the course. Until next time, bye-bye.